you're back listening to another episode of Laugh With Me, a Joke Daddy production with your host, Joe. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, I am your host, Joe, and you are tuned in to another episode of Laugh With Me. I'm so glad that you have decided to tune in wherever you're tuning in from, whatever time you're tuning in at, you have made a great decision to be here right now. This week, we've got the very special guest out of Renton, Washington. It's a little suburb just south of the great city of Seattle, a little north of the great city of Tacoma. So, you know how we do here on Joke Daddy Studios and Laugh With Me. We are bringing to you the finest local comedians from the 206, the 253, the 425. That's right. They're coming from the Pacific Northwest, the upper left the west coast because you and i both know it's the best coast andy harder y'all andy harder is a great up-and-coming open mic comedian who i had the pleasure of working with over a couple months ago in my backyard yeah i threw a prohibition style backyard bonfire comedy night oh yeah it was great totally illegal during covid times we had more than 15 people it was a great time had by all. Don't worry, people were socially distant. They were wearing masks. And it was outdoors. Everything was cleaned and sanitized. It was a great show. A lot of great comedians came through. And the opener that night was none other than Andy Harder. So stick around. Give a listen. Hear what we get into on this episode of Laugh With Me. That Corvette, hopping in the motherfucking jet like that. Then when he bend in the damn like that, they were like, Pop, why you all like that? Why you talk like that? Why you all like that? And welcome back to another episode of. Laugh With Me, a Joke Daddy production. This is a little episode that we uh, we bring in a special guest, a, uh, a local comedian uh, to the 206, the Pacific Northwest, the upper left, Seattle, Washington, basically. What we do, we bring him in, we interview him, we ask him all the important questions. The whys, the whens, the wheres. What makes a comedian want to be a comedian? And today, the person who's going to answer that question is my buddy, Andy Harder. Andy, how you doing? Good. Hi, Joe. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. I'm glad uh, glad you could be here in studio with me during uh, COVID. I'm sure this is the most responsible thing we can do. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. It's it's always been like my dream to be interviewed, like <laughs> by anybody anywhere. It's like this idea that like like whatever I whatever questions I answer are going to be interesting. People are going to want to li- like I like the idea of that. You know? <laughs> Like to me, like I, 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 want, I would love to be interviewed on sixty minutes someday. Like that's like a one of those huge bucket list. Goals. Sixty minutes. Oh yeah. I mean, you're from Renton. I mean, the possibilities of you being interviewed for a murder. Almost zero. Somewhere. We have an app for potholes in Renton. <laughs> okay, it's yeah. It's there's not. I didn't have a great start. <laughs> I'm a uh, white male though. I mean, so that's a great start for. Anything and everything, right? It's you it's are always white a leg man. Up. You, you didn't have to start lead with that. I mean, this is a podcast. It's just an audio platform. You could have been whatever color you wanted to be. I could have. You could have, bro. Fuck. Fuck that up. <laughs> okay, can we start over? All right, start over. I want to be Indonesian. All right. Um, from here on out, for any reason. But I was born here, and that's why my English is so good. Sure. Yeah. And then you you migrated you migrated you uh, I swam here. 
He swam there from Indonesia. <laughs> Why Indonesian? I, it's it's got a lot of syllables. It does. You know what I mean, like I'm always looking. You know, how do you make things a little funnier? Like I noticed. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> hold on, hold on. You're always looking at how to make things funny. Well, like, like as for a comedian, that's an important. Well, but, but there's all these little things, right? Okay. Like I'm sure that you've noticed that 35 is funnier than 30. And 37 is even funnier than that. Like, I had to do that 30 fucking times versus I had to do that 35 fucking times versus I had to do that 37 fucking times. That's funnier, right? All right, you got me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 37. 37. That's a good number. And I'm just saying, like, there's a lot of things in comedy like that where it's these very, very, very small details that I think people take for granted. It is in the details, and I think that that's what separates... Our our genre from not not separates, but it, it's just it's, it's just a different abstract way of looking at things. And artists, whether you 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 paint or you make music or you do whatever it is, make pottery even. I mean, that's what you're doing, right? You're picking up little things that other people wouldn't. You're highlighting it and you're showing it. Yeah. Is that why comedy for you? I think I just am like a attention whore. I guess I. <laughs> I mean, this seems a weird way to say it, though, because well, what it is is that I'm, like, really, like, I'm shy, right? Okay. But I still want to talk to fucking people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to be alone all the fucking time. Sure. So I have to, it's, I, I think it's really about, like, just getting some attention because I don't, I don't feel comfortable just walking up to people and be like, huh, you know, I feel like I'm bothering them, like, no matter what, you know? So but at least if you're on stage with a mic, it's like you've asked for this. It, you yeah, wanted to be here, you're going to listen. Yeah, I mean, it's a combination of just the validation of people laughing at your jokes. And then the fact that, you know, once in a while, people tend to approach you afterwards, you know. <laughs> Otherwise, people don't approach me at all. I mean, say, in a you... bar, I'm just that guy in the corner, just, <laughs> just fucking, it's like I'm not even there. When people see me in the bar, they think, is that the busser? <laughs> or they're like, he has weed. I can get weed from him. And in today's day and age, there's just no money to be made in weed unless you're Afraid not. Unless you're a store. I made a living with that shit for like 15 years, and then I had to start doing other shit. Yeah, yeah, one at a time, everybody just starts going to the store, and you're like, I get it. All right. Can you pre-roll it? No. <laughs> Pre-rolling your joints for you? I had a dealer when I was younger who would come over. He's the coolest guy ever. He'd come over and he worked at a pizza place. And so he's like, pizza delivery. Come in. And he'd like, for a bit. And he'd just hang out. And you guys would eat the pizza. And then he'd roll a blunt, smoke the blunt. And then he'd get up and he'd say, thanks for the hospitality. Leave the rest of the pizza. And I'd see him the next day. <laughs> Because I need a whole other pizza and a whole other bag of weed. That's kind of motherfucker I You know? I mean, you know, drug dealers, you had... I don't know, man. They were something special back in the day. And now you just go to a convenience store for weed. And it's kind of weird. They put well, people out of business. Being a weed dealer was always kind of weird, though. Wasn't it? Because, yeah. like... Because, like, you're a drug dealer. But you're not. You're not a drug dealer. Yeah, like, and when people call you a drug dealer, it just sounded weird to you. Because you're like, I don't know. Like, I mean, like, guys that sell coke and shit, like, that's another... Man, I exactly. I wasn't that guy yeah. at all. You know, I mean, it, well, it's like it's so like weed is make... mellow. It's just like you just <laughs> hang. It's like you hang out for a living. It's like what if you were that guy who like had a wood shop and you made baseball bats? 
<laughs> you just made like custom baseball bats, but then they're like, uh, you're an arms dealer. <laughs> yeah, with weapons. <laughs> you know, all of a sudden you're just like, yeah, there's been a rash of beatings with baseball bats, and it's all linked to the- <laughs> <laughs> this guy and his lathe. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like- yeah, it's just like yeah. I mean, I mean, even even when people called me a weed dealer. It just the word dealers. Come on, just don't it's settle it down yeah. a little bit. It's a, it's a moniker like pimp and you yeah. know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. So you're like settle down. Like I'm not I'm not smacking bitches here. I'm not <laughs> doing wheelies on the freeway. I'm not I'm not I'm not taking out my enemies and running from the cops. I saw I saw an ounce of weed go from like 300 all the way down to 100 or maybe like 150 and then all the way back up to like 400 and then back down and that's over like many 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 years right yeah depending on like like for instance i mean if you were a grower when it was 300 400 an ounce it's a lot more profitable when it's 100 an ounce yep so i you know i mean because i saw guys i mean i saw guys who were like i mean what happened was when they when they when they decriminalized it for you know medical use everybody who's in the business just went and got their little card yeah you know you yep. just went and got your little medical authorization <laughs> which was just this all-purpose thing that kind of worked for everything yep. and also could not work for you at all exactly. if you had the wrong lawyer or the wrong judge yeah right? And, but it was basically this across the board, like, like, yeah, I mean, you can sell it, you can grow it, you can possess it, you can smoke it, but also you can still go to jail yeah. if the circumstances are wrong. Well, I've heard it, of people just tearing those cards up, like, in the courtroom and just being like, fuck you, you're going to jail. I, I thought it was, you couldn't sell it, but you could, um... Donate it. Yeah. But that, but the, but, but that, oh my God. It was like, okay, I'm going to donate the weed and then you're going to donate the money to me. It's the dumbest thing ever. And, and yeah, you know, that, that entire industry for you. worked on that, right? Yeah. Like, like, did you ever go to those farmer's markets we had? Yes. You know, and everything's like patient this and medicine that yes and you're just like all right i'll, I'll go along with what's this. your ailment and, and can what? i can i donate for some of this medicine you know you just want to buy some weed and you're like can can i can you be my provider of this medicine and can you donate in exchange for a donation of money well, from a buyer's standpoint and from like a small, because I had like a delivery service basically, you oh, know, nice. I mean, I never did, you know, big amounts or anything like that. So I go to that farmer's market. Should we distort your voice? Like, Should I put in a voice distorter? <laughs> I ain't scared. There's limitations on something like that anyway. I mean, I feel like they wouldn't arrest you for it now. They're certainly not going to go back in time and be like, what'd you say on Joe Gomez's podcast? <laughs> Whoa, this joke daddy. <laughs> you know, we gotta get back on track. I'm gonna weed have to cast. have you in for another, uh, uh, yeah, weed weed cast. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, like pot, I said, podcast. I think that's probably the, already the idea that you and maybe somebody else wants to hear what I have to say is just makes probably me my mom. She's the only one swell. who listens. <laughs> uh, your mom? Well, my mom will maybe. Although I don't know. She told me the other day, she watched a video of, of me at the park. It was like the first yeah. one I did. And and just the other day, it might have been yesterday, in fact, she was like, it breaks my heart. 
Well, you know, I mean, you are a little cynical. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I mean, I'm not Brian Regan, you know, <laughs> for sure. I mean, I'm not Howie Mandel or whatever the fuck. I, you know, what's your joke about Renton, like where it's located? Yeah, it's it, it's 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 right where the I five, the four hundred five, and the one sixty seven meet. So you get the fuck out of there in any direction at a moment's notice. <laughs> So I grew up in Burien, uh-huh. White, uh, Burien, White Center, West Seattle was yeah. like my. We moved around a lot. Yeah, but I was always there. So we'd go to Renson every now and again. Then friends, yeah, the mall was right there, you know. And so, man, when I heard that setup and the the delivery on that joke, I I about wet my pants. What? That's, yeah, dude. I was like that little thing, dude. That's a good. That's a solid oh. joke. Thanks. I've actually told it to people. I give what? You, I give you credit Cut every time. That's right. I'm leaving, Joe. You don't, <laughs> you don't got a lot to kick it. <laughs> actually, you know what? I just realized that... Did like, you not count this year? Well, it was April when I started, so this April it'll be three years. Wow. Yeah, but like... This year's hard to count. I think anyways, but but it's... Well, it's... Yeah, because of the little COVID thing, it's like, how much of that time do you count? I mean, I'm, I, mean I, I did... But you've been working, and that's kind of that's kind well, of why we, we're I didn't start going to that until August, though. So okay. March, like April, me. May, June, July—that five months I did no comedy ever. So we did a open mic in a park. It was like, let's show up, let's bombard this park with, you know, people that are social distancing, and we are just gonna like. Here's our jokes. Yeah, and we had a great big stage. We got a natural amphitheater. <laughs> an amphitheater. Yeah. <laughs> It's fantastic. It was good. People you really, want to. You really got to hand it to John Banning for that, especially because, like, because it makes him feel like he's doing it for us instead of himself. He's a hero. Know? Yeah, he's a literal hero. Yes, that is what I mean. I, I I'm serious. Like, yeah. I, I had no idea who he was. I don't know if I had met him before or if he added me through a group. I'm all of a sudden I'm seeing this guy like posting like come to the amphitheater, like let's tell jokes. Yeah, I and, didn't want anything to do with it. And then I went and I was like, This is fucking fun. Yeah, well, you know what it ended <laughs> up being for me? Well it was kinda of, uh number one, I was kinda of going through something in my personal life that I had been just dwelling on and I was like you know, and, and and because of what was going on, it's like, you know, those those things that you do to kind of get out and distract yourself and get out of your head, like I like to go to the movies. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then, of course, comedy, karaoke, that's kind of my, th- you know, that I, you know, can't do any of that shit. Yeah. And I was just, like, really bummed out, and I was like, I, I need to just start doing more good things for myself. You know what I mean? And... Yeah, and, and so <laughs> and so I thought, you know, I should go to that fucking thing that I haven't been going to. But, but also what it was was that Casey Judson said that Jason McBride uh, liked my comedy. And we hadn't met, so that was so fucking cool. You know what I mean? To have wow. somebody who I, I haven't met in person. I don't think anybody's ever talked about somebody my comedy else like that. that. Like, you know, like, have Andy come down. He, I like his shit. Yeah. I'm like, dude, that, that meant a lot. And, and and that's the thing too, right? Like, and then Jason ended up being like, him and I are not 
close. We haven't had a lot of time to really hang out. But, I mean, he's one of my favorite people. I mean, he's a cool fucking guy. And Casey, too. And, like, the three... It's it's kind of down to the three of us now. Well, <laughs> Parker shows up a lot. Mike Parker yeah. comes a lot. But, like, he's been doing a lot of traveling, too. So he yep. can go places where he can do mics. Yep. So he's not there every week like we are. But I haven't uh, been since yeah. end of September. And I felt bad. October was, was a rough one for me, but... Yeah, I should have came back, and uh, I wanted to go tomorrow, but I'm recording. Yeah, well, I trust you, man. The, the one you came to, <laughs> compared to some of the ones we've had, I mean, the last, the last two that I went to, because there was a last week. Two weeks before that was in a parking garage, without permission from anybody, and there was maybe six of us okay nobody bothered us so we did it if somebody had bothered well, why, us we'd why, had to stop what was john walking by like dude huh, that's a the garage. thing that's why john is a hero he is the like, hero he's just such a badass like he just does things that i wouldn't even think to do right yeah i mean basically yeah he just he found this fucking parking garage where there wasn't a lot of cars around and like it looked like it wasn't really being used <laughs> and then he set up sandwich boards Around the fucking block. Is that the one that got picked up by uh, the stranger? Yeah, 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 yeah. Dude from the dude. stranger, he was jogging. Yeah. And he was like, what the fuck Free is comedy. This? Yeah. Yeah. Dude, that is so badass. Like, in 50 years, when historians or kids are like, hey, what was it like in 2020 in Seattle? Bro. Like, there wasn't much going on, but there was this weird group of people telling jokes. Dude, that's exactly what I said to Casey Judson the other day. Was out because have you seen that documentary on the comedy store? Dude, it'll give you goosebumps and it will. First of all, it's so well done. I mean, everything. The opening theme is just fucking dope. It's this sick ass beat, but the way it's filmed is really like high, high, high production level. There's five episodes that are an hour each, so it's long, it's thorough, and all your favorites are in it just about. Yeah. Like, I could count yeah. on one hand, I mean, if it's about like, who wasn't in there, you know what I mean? I was like, oh, I wish I would have seen Jim Norton, for instance, yeah. but that was about it that I can think of, maybe one more. But I'll it's an amazing down, documentary, yeah. like, it's really cool, and it's just, you know, if you're a comedy fan like we are... Yeah. Every bit of it is just like, oh, you know, because they talk about everything. They talk about, you know, getting bumped and sign-ups and working the door and trying new bits and, 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 and trying to get on these spots. It's just all this stuff that, like, we can relate yeah. to, you know, so you're watching it. And you're that They're talking to all these guys like Jay Leno and David Letterman. Yeah. They're talking, like, back in the day. And I was telling Casey, I was like, you know what? I fantasize about, like... 10 years from now then making a documentary about us and talking about like yeah we were so down for this shit we were doing parking garages and shit you know what i mean like well and and that's kind of why i did my backyard bonfire comedy show. that joe were you you were a part of that i opened you and, and you it was killed. dude that i'll never forget that night uh, i swear to it. god dude it was it i'll never forget I, I was telling i was telling katie on the way home i was like dude I'm going to tell people about this when I'm old. <laughs> That's what you I wanted. I mean? Yeah. I was like, I got to have something. And we're going to do it again. Hopefully sooner than later. I got to get a couple more bonfire pits. My yard is like opposite of yours. Like, we shouldn't be wasting podcast time on this, I suppose. Well, but I'll just make it quick. It's just inst- when you go out in the yard, yours goes up. Yeah. Mine goes down. Oh. But we've got like twice the space. 
So theoretically, but the thing is, it's really uneven. It's kind of a steep grade. But if you wanted to fuck with it a little bit, like you could have like a little amphitheater. You put the stage at the bottom and yeah. you could have chairs all along up there and you could easily get, you know, well, 20, 30 people up there. You I've know. got 15 metal chairs Plus, and I've yeah, got a sound system. <laughs> but I mean, you know, it's the sunset over the airport. I mean, yeah, I had a good view, right. you know, over the. You know, I had this amazing view of the sunset. So no. it'd be cool to like start a show, like as the sun's going down, and be good. All right, end of January. Yeah, because we'll, we'll then we can do like a five o'clock show. <laughs> well, yeah, hey, we'll and see. by the way, uh, we're gonna be doing a thing over on the Maple Valley Highway too. We found this little tavern out there where they just don't give a shit, and they've got this tent that's three times the size of the bar. All right, uh, stage and everything. So I'll let you know about that. Oh, we let haven't me like, know. Let me know. We, we haven't set a date or anything yet, but it's going to be invite only. All right. And like nobody's getting in because they're my friend. Yeah. Like you have to be fucking funny because I hate these fucking shows where you can tell that like yeah. one or two people got in there just because they're somebody else's friend and yeah. you're like, I mean, I get you want to help your buddy out, but like to me, like. I don't know, like, the idea of, like, a comedy show where, like, Dude. everybody was picked based on their Dude, abilities. That, that is, it, it's really hard. It, it, it gets really hard because you want to cast a wide net because you don't know who's going to say yes, who has the availability. And you don't want it to get around like, oh, I, I was going to ask you or, yeah, I asked you after I got three no's, you know. It gets so awkward, and that was the thing with my backyard bonfire, and that's kind of why I threw it out on my Facebook, was like, hit me up if you show interest, and there was a couple people who didn't make the cut, but for the most part, I tried to include everybody, and yeah, it's, it's tough, because you, yeah, you want everybody to nice. be funny. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, want, I want people to have a good time when they show mm-hmm. up, Dude. and I want them to come back and be like... Yeah, I'll pay 20 bucks to come to a Joke Daddy production. How about Josh Firestein when he went rummaging around down your fucking... Down here! <laughs> brought that fucking Dude. head oh. thing. I got bored. I lost I my mind. That was... Just the fact that he thought to come down here was brilliant. But it then was what a mess. He, but then what he came up with... Was like, dude, I Josh I don't even know me. him, but like, he he's a badass me. to me. He is. And this that was kind of the motivation. I was like, oh my gosh, people went in my basement. Like this place was a mess. <laughs> this basement floods over here. That's why I got black paint. It's not paint. That's that flex stuff. Um, it, it floods. Everything was up and trying to like stay out of the way of the water. And I built those shelves after that. After that bonfire comedy show, I built shelves and I moved everything over there and I built this table and I was like, here's a studio. Because it only floods like right here. <laughs> so I was like, oh, we're okay over here. Um, Dude, speaking of trying to produce shows, I got a little story for you. One night, I decided I was going to go totally off cuff and try and be, you know, like a Mike Parker type. You know what I mean? And, and that's just not me. I, I lost that ability when I started smoking weed. Like, I was a snappy fucker when I was, like, a little teenager. You know what I mean? But now, if I don't think of it ahead of time and write down and memorize it, I'm useless. Yeah, you know? you'll lose it. And, well, and I won't come up with anything else to in its place, you know? But I thought, you know, I wanted to just try doing it, like, as an exercise or just to try and develop that skill, you know. Sure. I mean, it's a different skill. I mean, I believe, I'm a firm believer in putting in the time and the effort. So I think you should go prepared. But, hey, you know, if you're doing enough mics in a week, you know, and you want to fuck around on one, fine, right? So I go up there, eat, 
dog shit. Where's this at? Uh, Teradice. Teradice. Yeah. Teradice is in White Center. Yeah, you never Teradice. done Teradice? Teradice, for my listeners, White Center, Rat City, this is a black bar, just for reference. People fucking go out in their reflective vests. I, um, okay, quick quick story about Teradice. I went to Teradice once. I didn't know what to expect. I don't care. I grew up in White Center. I'm like, cool, my people, right? Walk in. It used to be Charlie's Bar and Grill yeah. when I was growing up. Now it's well, that's Terad- way long ago. I'm an old yeah, man. Yeah. I'm old, bro. And so I'm like, all right, I think that's where it's at. I've seen the pictures. Okay, cool. So we'll pull in. You know, we get there. And everybody's out in the parking lot. We just cleared the bar because there was a fight. I was like, oh, cool. So now the whole bar is on edge. Four people are inside. And I'm like, what the hell? I end up signing up third. And I get there. I get up on stage. And this is new in my career, dude. I get up on stage and there's these uh, these two big mamas, I guess you would say, right in front. Dead center, right? Every week at that place. And I get up there and they look me <laughs> up and down as a big mama would go, Mm-hmm. And I just froze. I had nothing. And I just they ate me alive. Mm-hmm. Instead of me just diving in on it, like, I, I should have been like, mm-mm, what? Like, please. <laughs> like, I could have gone at it and been like, y'all better shut the, you know. I probably knew one of their kids if they had lived there for any amount of time, you know. Yeah. Like, and I just, they got in, and dude, I ate shit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's the only time I've been to Teradice. Yeah, I, I, I've had some great, great nights there because it's the one place where, I mean, that's the place to do your shit that you're scared to do in yeah. other places because they're not going to fucking groany groan like they're going to fucking jai tie. Yeah. You know what I mean? Okay, so well, so that, that brings me to a good point, okay. or a good question. Uh, best night of comedy, quickly. The best night? Yeah, what's your best night you ever had? It doesn't have to be like on, like, it could be like a learning point. It could have been just an experience. Uh, you know what? I The thing is, is that it would be hard for me to pick out any one, but I would say there's probably a five-way tie of like five times that I've been to the local 907. Okay. I mean, it's just the, the environment, there, everything, everything, like everything from Amani's I've host, never been to the 907. Amani's hosting style is so great because he, it's, it's this great mix of getting involved, but like not taking too much time and, and, and like, well, well, for instance, like I totally. Armani like, Jones hosts that? No, no, no. Amani oh, Taylor. Amani Taylor. Armani Jones. Oh, okay. Yeah. I've never met Amani. Now, Armani know. goes to that all the time. Okay. He usually ends up going last because then they'll just let him do whatever. You know what I mean? But but he... Shout uh, out, Armani. <laughs> 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 well, that's what he does best. You know what I mean? And... Uh, but but the thing is is that uh, like like I totally respect how the underground they're be like all right that was Joe Gomez here's Andy Harder that was Andy Harder here's Casey Judson yeah. right and because they're trying to get through to everybody right but you know local nine oh seven you know they'll let it go until twelve thirty one in the morning it's show up go up they'll have like 35 40 comics you know what i mean and i and they'll wait till there's like 35 before. and there's a crowd oh usually yeah it's monday night and it's yeah. packed in there yeah i've always I, so everyone's always told me joe you gotta go yeah you gotta go. well and, and it's never went i was so intimidated it's such a great <laughs> hybrid of comedy club and regular bar hangout okay and in fact one of the things i used to love about it was that it had like a squeaky door 
And so, like, sometimes, like, if somebody sucked, like, a bunch of people would go out to smoke, <laughs> and you'd hear that door just, <laughs> all through your fucking set, you know what I mean? Okay, I get it, I'm done. Yeah, and one day I was, I said, yeah, I, I love it, you, you can totally tell how well you're doing here, based on how many times you hear that door squeak. <laughs> and then I'm like, I'm like... I asked the owner if he would do something about it. He goes, how else would we break your spirit? <laughs> and then they fixed it. And then there's no more squeaky door. And I'm like, That's come on, man. You just took my bit. Like, I could yeah, have done right? that a few more times. Hell but yeah. anyways, it's got this really cool, like, hangout thing where it's like, it's not so much bar that people aren't paying attention. Okay. Uh, I mean, sometimes it's like there isn't even a comedy show going on hey, in there. But usually it's, grab it's a like crowd a, yeah, is, it's a good a talent blend. that you need to learn how to do. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing. At a comedy club, everybody's sitting forward. They mm-hmm. have to listen. You know what I mean? You don't have to get their attention. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a cool thing. And then, like I said, Amani's style is just really cool because he doesn't take too much time for himself, but he also you know, he get, he gives everybody you know their own individual little intro. We always joke that, like, if he calls you a funny motherfucker, that means you're not very good. Because that's the least he'll say about you. Like, it's that or better. You know what I mean? So, but yeah, that, I, I, I've, I've had some really, really, really good nights there. I was watching that documentary yesterday, and somebody was talking about, like, when they first got, like, their spot at the comedy store, and how he just felt like he just floated home. Yeah. And I was like, dude, that's what my first set felt like doing this now yeah you know what i mean how much time did you get on your first time just five minutes you have five minutes at the 907 yeah and i mean my first time i got three minutes i didn't know how much time i was gonna get yeah i just found this place online and was like oh they do open mic send them an email yeah yeah i mean it, it 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 went decent for my first time ever you know i mean i didn't bomb for sure and so i mean to me it was just like Dude, I felt amazing. I mean, it was yeah. it was a buzz. That's what's up. I like it that. It really man. was. So, what was your um, your worst mic experience? Oh, okay. Well, it was it was a paradise. Okay. <laughs> so this leads into my story, right? So what happened? I go up there, and 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 not only that, but you know how like you know you think, well, I'll have a few extra drinks, and that'll make me funnier. Right? Oh yeah. So I'm standing up there with this beer bottle, just sort of like kind of barely hanging on to it. You know what I mean? I'm talking in the mic, and I'm just like, rah, 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 rah. And, and I'm eating shit. And then, done, and I go out and smoke, and there's this, do you know Xavier? He was a bartender there at Terrorize. No. So he's this, he's this skinny little kid, and, and, and he was a bartender there at the time. And we're sitting there talking, and we're smoking a joint, and he just said like the most like awesome fucking thing to me. I mean, it was this little speech he kind of rolled out about how, like, dude, you don't understand. Even when you think you're bombing, me and, say, oh, there's this girl bartender and the two of them would work together. I don't remember her name, but let's call her Marcy. She, he was like, he was like, me and Marcy are, like, back there just losing it. You know what I mean? <laughs> and he goes, he goes, you need to understand that, like, whenever you come to this bar, you have at least one fan. And... I'm like, <gasps> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I can't cry in front of this guy. You know what I mean? Like, oh, that was like some crazy shit. I didn't think anybody would say that to me yeah. anywhere ever. Yeah. You know what I mean? Especially not anytime soon. So that like really, really got to me. And so I was like, wow, man, thanks a lot. And then I went straight from there. You know who Jamal Harrington is? Yeah. Now, first of all, Jamal Harrington. I mean, nothing negative here. Okay. So it is what it is. understand that. Okay. <laughs> sure. 
But here's what happened. I went up. I said, uh, I said, hey, Jamal, good set, you know. And uh, he goes, thanks. And I was like, I sure fucking ate shit. And he goes, yeah, you really did. And like, and then just starts ripping into me. Like, he asked me, do I even write jokes? He asked me why I do comedy. Like, he was like, really just, uh, you know. Wow. And I'm like, damn. And I just, two seconds ago, this guy told me he was my fan. Yeah. And now this guy is like tearing me to pieces. Like, you don't even deserve to be up there. You know what I mean? I wanted to like tell him that I was like, I don't know, I'm usually a little better than this. I was playing around. I was, I, I didn't bring any written material. I usually do, you know, yeah. I, I was trying to do crowd work and stuff. And I thought, you know what? If I let this guy just go on, I'll probably learn something. And so I just, I just kept asking him like, well, what do you, what do you mean? What do you mean by that? And then he actually, I mean, he spent an hour with me at the bar huh. talking about all kinds of shit and telling me all he, he was, he was like, dude, you're not talking to them. You're talking at, them. and he gave me a lot of like, you know, really good advice and shit. And like a lot of people, when I tell them the story, I tell them what he said to me, they go, wow, that guy sounds like a fucking dick. And yeah. I'm like, no, he cared enough to fucking spend that time with me and talk to me. You know what I mean? I mean, that's he, the one thing about comedians that I think a lot of the people as uh, civilians don't understand we're not nice people we don't want to hang out and talk to you i mean like if we like you we like you but usually we're so in our heads we're trying to get you know prepare ourselves and and if it's a wednesday night we're trying to hit three four mics in a night like we're going over like fuck i fucked that up man like how did i re- i gotta rework it i don't got time to sit and talk with somebody especially somebody new or somebody we've never seen before you don't waste your time mm-hmm. on somebody who is checking off a list, you know, my bucket list. I'm going to do this before I turn 40. Yeah. You know, and and so when somebody stops and is like, you know, rips you apart, you're like, okay, maybe I needed that. And then it's like, I'll talk with you, though. And, like, that can breathe so much life into a new comedian or, yeah. or even a comedian that's just struggling. Well, and there was so <laughs> much there was so much to be learned that I don't even think he intended. And by the way, I think one of the biggest things that was flattering about it is that I don't really think he liked me. You know what I mean? But he t- took the time to there talk to me any fucking ways. And one thing that I learned is that, you know, first of all, you never know who's watching or listening. So, you know, make it count. And then the other thing, what bothered him was is that he felt like I had wasted stage time and 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 because he didn't see me putting any real effort into it and here's the thing i'd never been to a comedy club at that point so i didn't know about bump lists and things like that Mm. all i'd ever seen was show up go up so he tells me he's like man that bullshit you did up there somebody else could have been up there who deserved it more you know and i was like i didn't even think of that perspective yeah i didn't even think about that because i didn't know about bump he's like have you ever even been to a comedy club i was like no i haven't he's like well it's time. You know what I mean? <laughs> I was like, wow. So anyway. Well, there is no handbook. There is yeah. no book that they give you. Yeah. So you want to do comedy. You know? Yeah. It's, so, but I still, I don't know. I didn't feel like him and I like parted friends. You know what I mean? I mean, I was like, listen, I really appreciate you taking your time talking to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I mean, I don't think, I, I just, I, I just don't think I came off as his favorite person or whatever. Here's, here's, here's my point. So then a few months later, I did this uh, contest, that little contest they do it over at Northwest Peaks. Yeah. And I, I felt like I totally got fucked out of first place because, like, basically the guy that won, like, a five, a six, and a seven. Hmm. And I got, like, an eight, a nine, and a four because huh. somebody I'm not going to bring up just didn't fucking like me and she couldn't stand to think that I'd won that thing. 
You know what I mean? So I, I got second by just a little bit because she gave me this, in, like, the lowest score she gave all night. And, like, I'm sorry, but, like, I did good that night. Was this a two-person production group? I don't know. Because uh, <laughs> I, did, I did Northwest Peaks. Yeah. But I know that I did it in, like, the Inception, like, yeah. the newer... Yeah, well, I only did the one, and it huh. wasn't the one that you were at, but, but yeah, I and so I don't. It just it just irritated me, and it just got me thinking about this whole thing about how you know some people get work because they're good, and then some people get work because they know somebody. And I thought, you know, I would love to go and round up like half a dozen of my favorite guys from the local scene, put them in a show, and just have it, you know. Like I said, not have anybody who's anybody's friend. Have it completely based on, you know, a meritocracy, as they say. And then it occurred to me that I used to sell weed to the manager of the Renton Civic Theater. And I'm like, holy shit. Like, I went to I went to college with him. Like, I mean, okay. I knew the guy. You know what I mean? Huh. And I, uh, I go down to the Renton Civic Theater, and I call him up. I said, hey, man, are you at work right now? He goes, yeah. I was like, why don't you come downstairs and talk to me for a sec? I tell him about what I've been thinking about. He goes, well, the only thing is, is that this club already has a booker. So all booking goes through our booker. I said, who's your booker? Jamal Harrington. <laughs> Talk to him. Nice to see you. Starting over. <laughs> Erase that whole plan off the chalkboard. We got to come up with something new now. Of all the people in the universe, like, That's Jesus. Life. Comedy's a weird scene. You know, I am grateful for people who have kind of brought me up along the ways and kind of, I feel like there's been a few people who have had pity on me. I've had some bad nights. I've had some great nights. Um, but, you know, I'm still pretty green, you know. Um, I was just hitting a stride when COVID hit. It's just one of those things. And I'm glad that I've had the courage to relaunch a podcast. And I'm even more glad that people have been like, yeah, I'll come and talk to you. So, thanks for coming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> On that note, he's going to leave and be like, shit, that is an hour of my life I'll get back. Nah, man. No. I'll come uh, back tomorrow. <laughs> there we go. I will. No, I got Kevin coming in tomorrow. Kevin Eggleston. I don't know time. I know who he is. He was here on my, my backyard. Yeah, I know who he is. Yeah. I just, we haven't met. You haven't crossed they're, paths that much? All those guys, they're in that other class. That's the way I've heard it referred to as class. Like, I feel like I'm in that, you know one to two or three years, you know, uh, yeah. us who are kind of starting out, I, I still feel like an open micer, basically. Hey, you know, I am an open We're micer. in the same class, you and yeah. me. And so, but I feel like anybody, on me. anybody who's like five years in or more, it seemed like they're not super jazzed to talk to us. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's fine, you know. I always, I was thinking of it like sumo, you know. I like how like in sumo wrestling, you know, the top yeah. guy is... He's a badass, and he can piss and shit anywhere. And then the guy blonde has got to, like, shovel, shovel the top guy's shit. You know, like, I like the idea of having to work your way up and being nothing for a while. And then, you know, when people accept you, you're like, yay. You know, it grows you. It builds shit. character. It's tough. Yeah. It's tough. And especially the comic scene is so cynical and, like, you never know. Does somebody like me? They're always giving me shit. They're always talking shit. And then it's like, well, yeah, they talk shit because they like you. <laughs> oh, oh, but what, one thing that I've noticed is, Jesus Christ, the difference between audience. Seattle versus uh -huh. Tacoma? Uh -huh. Careful. Mean, even, this even this broadcast is Seattle. Yeah. 
<laughs> Even Renton. I mean, I mean, the thing is, is that like Renton and Tacoma are not that different, no, comedy wise and comedy audience wise. But dude, anything north of Renton, man, whether it was you know the Parlor in Bellevue or any number of the places that were in 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 the Seattle. It, it was amazing to me, like, like, like it was like an eye opener because Dude. by then I had had jokes that I had been doing for like well over a year mm-hmm. that like always worked, and I'm like, okay, I'm in front of a new audience, so I can use my A material because I know I'm I'm, I'm in front of new people yeah. and I can do that, and then you just hear all the just the groans, you know, whenever you use the word cunt or something like that, you know what I mean, <laughs> like. <laughs> And mind you, I started in Seattle. Yeah, yeah, and I had no idea. I mean, I had never been to an open mic. I uh-huh. had no idea. Whatever. It's okay. I know. I look like I play the role of an immigrant, like you know, Mexican up here trying to steal your laughs. And people in Seattle are just like, "You can't say that." I'm like, "Yes, I can. I most certainly can." Yeah. You go to Tacoma. You say that. They're like, Haha, "You Mexican. You totally look like the cook." <laughs> You know what surprised me a little bit? So, so remember the last mic that we did there in Tacoma? Yeah. At least, I remember I did this joke about how, like, they had stopped, like, like Costco had stopped doing uh, coconut water company because the the coconuts were being harvested by monkeys. It was monkey labor, like slave labor. <laughs> so I go up there and I basically said, like, you know, well, I guess, you know, it, but, but oh, oh, but then like, uh, but then we were also sending monkeys into space, like to test rockets yeah. and stuff like that. And I was like, so apparently it's okay to make monkeys work as long as it's skilled labor, you know? Like, we can't be having them doing the shit that our Mexicans do. Now, <laughs> if you're not paying attention, it sounds like I'm being an asshole, but the point I'm making is, is that we have Mexicans doing work we won't even make monkeys do. You know what I mean? Like, that's a very pro-Mexican thing to say. Like, like I, that's not... You know what I mean? But I said Mexicans and work, and you could just see people oh, just that's like, so I don't solid. like it. I sign off on that joke. You need to do that whenever you can. I love it. Well, and, and that was just us. Well, that's a good There was no back. audience. The vibe there that night, I mean, we're not... Yeah, I mean, yeah. by the time I went up, I was already so embarrassed. You know what I mean? <laughs> and that's, uh, I mean, that, that's one of the games that we play is different cities, different clubs, different groups, you know, of, of circles or classes of comedians. And uh, you try and Figure it out as you go, man. This game is not for the weak at heart or the thin skin. <laughs> well, you know what? I will say one of the things that I have trouble with is taking risks. But it's because I feel like when I write a good joke, I already know it's good. And so, like, I don't want to try out jokes that I don't think are that good. But then I just feel like I start really leaning on the stuff that works all the time until everybody I've ever been in front of has heard it five times, you know what I mean? And then, and, and, and all that, but it just, you know, you need to bomb. You need yeah. to, like, take risk. You need to eat shit. It's just that, like, I feel like I have such a good sense mm-hmm. Of what's gonna work and what's not, that like trying out sometimes that half-ass jokes doesn't feel good. Yeah, but sometimes like, you can work know. those out. Like yeah, sometimes they are bad. It's true. You can dig them out and work them and work them. But so I think there's something to be said about working some new material. You know, there's also 
something to be said about doing the same set a certain amount of times. I mean, you know, for a certain length of time. I mean, Jerry Seinfeld did his set a hundred times before he took it on uh, The Late Show, I think mm-hmm. it was. A hundred times. He did the same set. I think mm-hmm. it took him a year, and he was, you know, he knew it. He had it. It was mm-hmm. down. It was, and if you watch that, oh my gosh, it is flawless. I have a bit about like being like broke and having like bad credit and shit. You know, it's about it's like three four minutes long now. It started out as, at about two minutes, and not only that, but when I first thought of the premise from the first time I thought, okay, this is something to write a joke about. Till the first time I actually thought of something to say about that premise mm-hmm. was like a year. Yeah. And then once I got it rolling, like I would add or subtract something almost every single time I did it. And so now it's up to like four minutes. It's got all these tags and everything. And it's very, very, very uh, good, like laughs per minute. You know what I mean? It's very rapid fire. It's like it's one a solid joke. Minutes. I know it. Yeah, and yeah, so I now I recite it, but I know your joke. And yeah, it's a good joke. Yeah, and now I hate doing everything else because none of my other stuff's that good. <laughs> so now it just feels weird. Until you, know you what write I mean? some gold. <laughs> yeah, it's like I, I, I mean, until I write something that good again, everything just has this awful feeling to it. Lackluster. Like, oh, like I'm just. It's all right. I mean, that's. You know, that's one great thing about these parking garage shows we're doing is there's fucking no risk there. I've been pulling out shit, like premises, because I don't know about you, and I've had to make eight lists just so that the lists aren't so long that I'm scrolling and scrolling and scrolling, you know what I mean? Man, I've dug out premises that I haven't even thought about trying and like since I started, but it's like, well, I'm so... I've done everything else in front of everybody, so I have to try something. Yeah. And, yeah, every once in a while, you'll take a dud and turn it into something good. That's why I like some of these underground shows. These that, that, That's that's what I like about about what's going on, you know, with the outdoor comedy that John's putting together. It's it's, it's low risk, but it's, it's, it's high risk at the same time. Because you never know who's going to show up. You never know who's going to catch wind of it. Well, I still yeah. want to get back there. It's still going to be, like, I don't know. I think it's fun. So yeah. I, I want to do it. But yeah. everybody, thanks for tuning in. So on behalf of my guest, Andy Harder, and myself, Joke Daddy, thanks for tuning in.